Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. One week to the NFL Draft. We head on out to the KDOS hotline as we're joined by Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com. Cody, repeat guest. Always appreciate the time on the program. How are you today? I'm doing well, Kayla. How about you? We're doing good. Anytime we get to talk NFL, I'm always a little happier. Uh, so let, let's get things started, though. Right here in Arizona, there happens to be a lot happening. The potential for pick number three to be on the move, DeAndre Hopkins wanting out and signs pointing to that he maybe wants to play for Buffalo or Kansas City. Then you also have Buda Baker requesting a trade. So I'll ask about Buda here. He's the leader of this defense. It's understandable that he doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild. Is he valuable to other teams around the league on their defense? And what could the Cardinals get for him if they do move on from him? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, is he valuable? Yes. Um, but the question then becomes, at what price? Um, you know, that, that really is, that determines so much of, you know, a guy's value in the NFL. You know, the whole offseason we've been talking about Lamar Jackson and, and, you know, his value to the Ravens, his value or lack thereof to other NFL teams. And it's all the price tag that, that really does inform this. And so I, I, I certainly think, you know, you'd have, you'd have a dozen teams, if not more, that would inquire if they haven't already about Buda Baker. Um, but it's just a matter of, you know, how much are you paying this guy over the long term? You know, is that going to change in the next year or two? Um, and so, I mean, I, I would say, it wouldn't be a a massive return, I think, because of the price tag. Um, certainly, I think you could get, you know, um, a pick that's in the first three rounds. Um, I, and again, I've seen different numbers floated for that. But um, you know, it, it seems like the Eagles have been mentioned. You know, Buda Baker went on record and talked about how he liked Nick Sirianni. That's not a team. I I, I don't think that they're interested right now in paying a premium um, at safety after spending money at cornerback this offseason, after kind of shying away from paying C.J. Gardner-Johnson. So I'm not, you know, I I would, I I much sooner would believe that DeAndre Hopkins will be on the move, and I think the draft will help dictate, you know, that market once, once the draft is underway. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. All right. So it's also the period of time in which a lot of things get floated around. Certain narratives start going out depending upon what team wants something out there. So are you believing the latest narrative that the Texans might not take a quarterback with the number two overall pick? And if that is their strategy, do you see value in them going in a different direction? I, you know, I don't buy this. I mean, I will believe that uh, they're passing on a quarterback when I see it. Now, you know, is it possible that they're not in love with, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Maybe. Um, You know, is it possible that they really, really like Bryce Young, but they're convinced that he's going number one, and so, you know, they're not as sold on C.J. Stroud? I I think that's possible. I just don't see – you know, Nick Casario, uh, you know, a year ago, um, you know, in his two years, I guess, as Texans GM, you know, he's not had a franchise answer at quarterback. He had Deshaun Watson sit out an entire season while he was looking to be moved and dealing with his off-field issues. And then he kind of let Davis Mills go unchallenged as a starter last year. This, I mean, you, you just don't get, unless he's planning on picking again in the top five, which wouldn't be great, you'd think, for the job security. You don't get these these chances 
um, all the time. And so I think C.J. Stroud, that would represent an immediate upgrade, um, assuming Bryce, Bryce Young is number one. Um, I, I, you know, I think D'Amico Ryans would love himself a premier defender, but they also own the number 12 pick, and you're going to be able to get um, a guy that can plug in along the defensive line or at cornerback even if you sit there. So, I, I mean, I'm until I see it, you know, I don't believe that they're going to pass on a quarterback at number two. Uh, well, let, you mentioned Bryce Young there, assuming he's going to go number one overall. So are you on the side of things that you believe that's the direction the Panthers are going? And for you evaluating Bryce Young, what would be your pros and cons for Young at the NFL level? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am of the opinion, I guess, that he's going to go number one. I know that, you know, these things change so much. You could have asked me uh, a month ago and, you know, the, the, the lean would have been towards C.J. Stroud just because of that prototypical size, maybe a safer bet in terms of staying uh, upright under center. Obviously, Frank Reich has that, that track record working with those more prototypical passers. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Bryce Young, you know, really – you really have to look hard to find flaws outside of the size. And I know that, you know, with the Arizona market, you're very familiar with, you know, this is a conversation with Kyler Murray coming out, um, his size, and yet, you know, he's a different type of player uh, than Bryce Young. Certainly more explosive, uh, a little more shifty in the open field. Um, uh, he, he really is an off-script kind of a quarterback. And Bryce Young is that as well, but I think he's, He's a little bit more polished, especially in big game moments, as, a, as an actual, you know, prototypical passer, a guy who you've seen the, the term, you know, the phrase point guard uh, floated around as a comparison for the way that Bryce Young plays. Um, so I think, you know, the cons certainly, you know, we've beaten it to death, but the size is part of it. You want to be able to withstand the hits that, that come with an NFL career. Um you know, you, you want him to be able to maybe stand in the pocket a little bit longer. But pros, I mean, the guy has he, he has the touch that you want. He has the feel that you want. He, you know, much like Jalen Hurts, who also had a, a, an established career at Alabama, he just seems so much older and wiser uh, than, you know, a 21, 22-year-old kid. So I think if the Panthers take him, they're going to be in good hands. Bouncing around NFL topics here with Cody Benjamin from CBSSports.com right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So Tua Tangovaloa, he met the media yesterday, said that he contemplated retirement after his multiple concussions last season. He has been medically cleared to play and at this point will keep doing so. So from a Dolphins standpoint, what are the biggest areas of need in the draft to help them put pieces together to contend in this AFC and especially in all of a sudden, I mean, We'll have to wait to see if Aaron Rodgers makes his way over to the Jets, but in this potentially vaunted AFC East. Yeah, I mean, I think you can never go wrong addressing the trenches. Um, you know, I know they invested at tackle last year with Teron Armstead and free agency. Um, I just think, you know, especially when you have a quarterback who is more of an on rhythm, on script type of quarterback, uh, just the same way in San Francisco, um, the way that they build around Jimmy Garoppolo. And Brock Purdy, um, so much revolves around just the protection up front. And you could say that for so many teams, but I just think when push comes to shove, um, you know, if you can add and bolster the depth up front uh, for your quarterback, I think that that's, that's key. Now, defensively, um, you know, I think you could still make an investment at linebacker. I know that they, they made the big trade for Jalen Ramsey. They added David Long from the Titans in free agency. 
you know, Vic Fangio's presence there as a defensive coordinator is going to go a long way, you think, toward kind of restoring that Miami defense. But basically any, you know, long-term addition at any level of that on that side of the ball is also going to come in handy, you know, especially if they are playing. Um, you know, I know Tua aired it out a lot um, early last season, but at the end of the day, the most sustainable path to victory for the Dolphins is building around Tua's strengths, and that's, again, on schedule, on rhythm throws, an offense that controls the football and leans on the defense. Uh, so you also have what's going on in San Francisco. What do you make of the 49ers receiving calls on Trey Lance, and is the team really prepared to go with Sam Darnold if Brock Purdy isn't back and healthy? Well, it's sure, you know, it's sure shaving up that way. I know that these, you know, reports come out, and sometimes they mean something, sometimes they don't. But there has been just so much smoke uh, around this Trey Lance situation. And it's, it's not really necessarily fair to Trey Lance. I mean, certainly the, the investment that they made in him, you'd think that they'd want to give him a legit shot at redemption there. I mean, the, the injury was a – yeah, I don't know if you want to say it was a freak thing. I mean, he wasn't um, – he certainly was performing okay, you know, considering he was playing in bad weather and then suffered the injury before he went down. Um, you know, Brock Purdy, his health is a huge question mark for this season. Um, but but any time that it's floated, that a team is fielding calls, that they are listening, you always hear this, that they're not, they're not actively selling, they're not actively shopping, but they're listening. I mean, if that came from the 49ers, it's clearly an effort to drum up interest, to, to get your best offers in, and it's before Trey Lance has even had a full season to try and work as the Niners starter. So, yeah, I mean – would anyone be shocked if he was moved on draft weekend? I don't think so, even though it is kind of crazy, you know, how his career has unfolded. We'll stay right with the quarterbacks here. Jalen Hurts, he got a $255 million extension with $179.3 million guaranteed. He does become the highest paid quarterback in the league per year, ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. So first up here, I'll stop here. Was this a smart deal for the Eagles and for Jalen? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that on one hand, you know, you kind of you met in the middle here a little bit. On one hand, it's a little bit longer, uh, slightly longer than some of the extensions we've seen lately. You know, a five-year deal where you're, you know, it is it is setting a new record for per-year average. Um, but it's not it's not necessarily breaking the bank when you consider, you know, what guys like Daniel Jones um, and Geno Smith and Derek Carr got this offseason. Um, so I think it is relatively team-friendly. Um, we've seen that teams are capable of getting out of contract extensions, even big-money ones like these, if they need to. I mean, the Eagles, you just look at the, the way that Jalen Hurts entered and started his career. Um, they drafted him a year after signing Carson Wentz to that, that massive four-year extension. They were able to get out of it, and it worked out in their favor. So I think for Jalen Hurts, um, you know, certainly – to go from, uh, you know, where he was in 2020 as a rookie, kind of thrown into the fire, coaching staff was replaced at the end of the year, um, and then the team kind of building around him this past offseason, to be making now $51 million a year, that's great for him too. So I think it is a truly a, a win-win for both sides there. So piggybacking off of this contract talk, what does this do to reset the market once again for quarterbacks like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert? Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is the floor is now set for their deals. 
right? I mean, that's that's the way that it's gone. Um, if you're an elite quarterback, if you are a top five quarterback, um, you know, when you sign your contract, the way that the market goes is that you are next to reset it. And so you're talking $51 million a year is going to be the minimum uh, asking price for, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Certainly Tua is in a little bit of a different conversation there. Um, and, and that's what we're going to get into, you know, how many years are teams, you know, putting on these deals? You know, can the Bengals and Chargers afford to guarantee uh, such a, a big portion of those deals if they're signing them? You know, I would I would be a little bit surprised if the Burrow and Herbert deals are for five years, um, just because I'm not sure, you know, some of those teams and their ownership, you know, if you're guaranteeing a big portion of those uh, of a deal that size, you know, there are those those rules, those NFL rules where you do have to put those into an escrow account. Some ownership uh, groups are just not. I mean, they're billionaires, but some of them are not as lucrative. So uh, I'd be a little bit surprised if you know, the Burrow and, and Herbert deals went beyond four years. Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com, chatting NFL right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. All right, I'm putting you into the prognosticator role. Will Lamar Jackson be playing football to start the 2023 season in a Ravens uniform? I'm going to say yes. I mean, this is another, you know, just the same way when we talked about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. This is another one where, I mean, you asked me a month ago or three weeks ago, my answer might have been totally different. Um, it changes so quickly. Um, I think we've seen this play out before in terms of a team and a big-name player not getting along publicly, not being on the same page, and yet they're still together. And I think that it's fitting we're talking about you know, this in the, the, the Arizona station where you know, last offseason, depending on the week, you could have believed that Kyler Murray and the Cardinals were headed for – you know, an ugly divorce. We've got the agent floating um, basically a demand for a big money deal, listing off all of Kyler's accomplishments. You've got the social media drama, deleting pictures and whatnot. And yet they sign a huge extension. They are tied together whether or not they like it because they eventually came back to the table and they figured it out. Um, so I think a similar situation is most likely for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson unless you know, you've got a wild card team like, like you know, San Francisco during the draft, um, you know, kind of sweeping in and, and changing things. So I think, you know, more likely than not, Lamar Jackson ends up in Baltimore again, which is where he wants to be. He just wants to be compensated there. So I think that's most likely. Another quarterback situation that's been playing out in the media here. What's going on in New England? And can Bill O'Brien, the new offensive coordinator, save the supposed deterioration of the relationship with Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and get enough out of Mac Jones? Well, if it doesn't happen this year, then I think you really start, um, you know, it's a natural point to start asking, you know, what Bill Belichick is going to do next. I mean, I don't think it would have been crazy for the Patriots to be involved in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Um, you know, up to this point, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. But it sure makes sense to me. I mean, Bill Belichick, you know, 71. He's got to be getting, you'd think, a little impatient uh, post-Tom Brady as far as competing and getting production at quarterback. Certainly the foundation of the team, you know, the offensive line, the weapons, the, the philosophy of playing offense, certainly that has something to do with it. And so that's where you'd hope that Bill O'Brien is kind of getting Mac Jones back to, you know, rookie season level or, or beyond. But even that, 
I'm not sure the ceiling is is massive, you know, is, is massively high um, for Mac Jones in that regard. So, I mean, can, can he can he get Mac Jones back to uh, competent, to serviceable, to a top 15 starting production? I think that's possible. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if a year from now we're, we're having the same conversation wondering what the Patriots are doing at quarterback. Cody, before I let you go here today, uh, flipping this back to the draft, who is a name that isn't getting a lot of pre-draft chatter, but you really like them? That's a great question. Um, you know, I know the receiver class is a little bit odd this year and that you've got, you know, a couple of guys that could go in the first round. You're not sure what order. Um, you know, Zay Flowers from Boston College is the guy that. You know, on the smaller side, there's quite a few guys like that. He, he could be the first receiver off the board. He could be the fourth receiver off the board. But you like the explosiveness, I think, you see there. Uh, that's a guy that you could possibly, you know, move around the field in the slot outside. Um, so that's a name I know. I don't know if that's, that's deep enough or, or uh, deep enough of a sleeper for you. But Zay Flowers and then, you know, Jalen Hyatt has drawn some, uh, some Deshaun Jackson comparisons as well, just his deep speed. You know, I'd be willing if one of those guys is available um, toward the back end of the first um, or the or early second, I think you could be looking at a steal there, a wide receiver. Cody, we always appreciate you taking some time for us, and we look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks so much, Kayla. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Once again, he is Cody Benjamin, CBSSports.com.